This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Geology Final Cast. My name is Steve. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Hello. I, I jumped the gun on Jesse. Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> no, no. Good, good evening. Just, um, having a little uh, cookie. Nice. Yeah. It almost Nothing. like a sugar wafer. It was it was a nutter butter wafer and it oh. was delicious. Nice. Mm. Yeah. You're making me hungry. I but- you needed a little fuel to get me through here. Nice. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the premier geology podcast, the geology flannel cast. Yeah, uh, what are we what are we talking about today, Chris? We're not we didn't come up with any topics today. You know, you know what I call this episode? This is a classic conglomerate episode. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Well, first off, yes, we we didn't do any any prep work for today's episode. <laughs> the listeners. Did all the prep work for us. Yes. Let's, let's preface every every episode. <laughs> we did no, zero you know, work. I was just I initially thought, oh, this is a conglomerate episode because a little bit of pieces of everything, but it's also a conglomerate episode because it's gonna make you well rounded. Oh, oh you yeah. you. See what oh. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man! Just, just uh, end the episode there. Drop the mic and <laughs> walk away. Uh, downhill from there. Nice. So we're gonna do listener. Some we're gonna follow up on some listener questions that have come in through the geologyflannelcast.com listener questions email. Um, we have, you know, we had talked to over the last couple of weeks how we got a flurry of them in uh, in the first couple of months of 2022. So. Um, we literally have a list of like 50 since like mid January of listener questions. So obviously we, we can't get to them all, but we're going to try to as best we can. Um, so, uh, well, first off, well, happy geologist day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Related uh, geologist day. We just, we just learned that, uh, well, we're recording this on April 4th, but April 3rd was, uh international geologist day was it what was it called it's uh just geologist day yeah um it's the first sunday of april is always geologist day and uh i'm i'm doing something next year putting this on my calendar this is gonna happen so the we just learned that the soviet union first declared geologist day in 1966 um USSR, USSR. No, no, if you're if you're uh, <laughs> if you're um really into geologist day next year, put on your calendar April second, twenty twenty three. Like it? Is I'm it, doing it. Well, is is next is next year April second on a like, Sunday? I I that's I look at this website just says that yeah April second years yeah because oh, so. yesterday was April third. Okay, I thought yesterday was April second. I have no idea what day it is. No, that's fine. Uh, the the NCAA men's basketball championship is going on right now as we're podcasting. That's how much I appreciate all of you. That and I don't really care if North Carolina or Kansas wins. <laughs> so, if, if Villanova had won, it would be a different story. Yes, I would not be feeling well. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to do it tonight, kids. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, always, always fun. And uh, Dawn Staley, Temple, Temple alum grad, won. She's the uh, coach of the uh, women's team that won yesterday. Yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. She, uh, she was the former coach at Temple. She's from North Philly. She yeah. didn't go to Temple. Oh, I thought she played at Temple one year. No, uh, Virginia, but oh. she coached Temple from 2000 to 2008. Nice. But yeah, she's from right in, right in North Philly. Nice. And yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome. Um, all right. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to start with one question. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. So Richard from Austin 
G'day. Uh, Ask why is core drilling so expensive relative to other methods of drilling? Uh, and a couple th- reasons for this. Yeah, yeah I'll give you the, the short answer is time. Okay. To, to core drill takes uh, many, many times longer to drill than conventionally like tricone air rotary or mud rotary drilling with air rotary or mud rotary. <laughs> you're either using air or mud. They call it. It's a, it's a, it's a drilling fluid liquid that they push down the bit to the bit at high pressure. And this spins these three cones and it basically just chews up the rocks. And then the, either the air or the mud ends up carrying up the little bits up to the surface and they just kind of scoop them away. Um, this, you know, pulverizes the rock. You have all, all that you have. The only evidence you have of the rock is like these little chips. Um, and you can actually, you know, I I've had, I've many, 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 many times, you know, had a stick, essentially a spaghetti sieve at the end of a stick and stick it under the drilling mud and pull it out, wash it, look at the rocks to see what formation you're in and all that stuff. Uh, they call it mud logging, <clears throat> but, um, that's just a continuous process. They can just keep on going and going and going like every 10 to 20 feet, depending upon how long the drill stems are, they have to stop add another piece of steel and then drill. And that's it. And it's, it's, you know, considerably faster than core drilling. Cause with core drilling, what you have to do is you drill typically 10 feet at a time. You drill down with a hollow stem steel um, drill bit. It has a, a much more expensive diamond tipped uh coring bit on the end of it that's kind of like a donut and it drills out this column of rock and then every 10 feet they have to stop they send this what's called a core catcher down they send it down it clicks in the top of it and then they pull up this inner column of drill rods from the outer column of drill rods until they get that 10 feet out then they you know, have to lay it down, extract the core, put the tube back in, and then go another 10 feet. So, you know, for the first couple hundred feet, it's it's kind of quick because it's like 10 feet, boom, 10 feet, boom, 10 feet, boom. But then once you start getting down like two, three, 400 feet, even just sending the core catcher down takes a few minutes, and then it clicks on it, catches it. Then it brings it back up. That takes a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, every time you go further and further and further, it just takes it's longer cumulative. and longer and longer. Yeah. So to go, you know, a thousand feet with a core might take you a week to go a thousand feet with air rotary might take you a day and a half. So just right there, just in man hours and time, it's, it's that much longer. Then you have to, you know, you have to store the core, you have to wash the core, you have to, you know, uh, there's just so much more things you have to do with the core sample. So it comes down to essentially it's time. Some of it is the equipment. I mean, all drilling equipment is expensive, but um, yeah, so that's, that's the short answer. That's why core drilling is so expensive. So if you ever get to see a core, appreciate it, take a look at it, be like, Hey, this took like three times as long to get out of the ground than if we were just to pulverize it and blast it up to the surface. So, and, uh, some other, like, uh, Steve, thank you. That was a, that was actually a very detailed answer. That was yeah, a great answer. That was great. Um, I'm out. That popped in my head was that <laughs> he's done. That's it. First thing that popped in my head is the drilling equipment is really expensive. So you can't be charging just like a hundred dollars a day. Like those companies that, that purchase that drilling equipment, they got to make their money back, you know? So, that's another reason. And then another reason, another thing that I thought of um, is that depending on what state you're in, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a driller, you have to be certified and you have to have a, license, a driller's license. So that, uh, you know, that doesn't make it any cheaper to get these, uh, to get these certifications. Yep. And depending so, upon how deep you're drilling and what, what the purpose of your drilling, like there's different classifications of drillers, mm-hmm. you know, you, all the way up to, uh, you know, different states have different qualifications but there's um you know you you can become like the master supreme 
drilling guru level 12 or something like that. And, you know, it takes a long time to meet the requirements to, to get up to that level. Obviously I made up that title, but you understand what I'm saying. Which uh, we should make that master. <laughs> what'd you say? Master three guru. Is that what you said? <laughs> master Supreme guru 12. Master Supreme guru. <laughs> Good. I like it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the short answer. Uh, time and expenses. Yep. All, All right. right. Who's next? Let's take a look here. Um, you talk about, uh, uh, all right. I would love to hear. Let's see. We'll do a Andrew from Northeast Pennsylvania. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Andrew writes, uh, would love to hear a deep dive from you guys on the Schwang Gunk formation. Andrew, you are in luck. This is one of my favorite geologic formations. Uh, it's a fun one. Schwang Gunk formation. Uh, okay. So it is depending on where you're at. The well, it, let's just uh, let's. It's conglomerate. It's known for being a conglomerate, but it actually it continues uh, up in like New York and in parts of Pennsylvania. It is a conglomerate, and then around Pennsylvania, it kind of transitions. It gets the the it gets a little smaller, and it kind of turns into more of a sandstone. And then a little further south, you get the Tuscarora sandstone, and it's actually pretty much the same thing. Just uh, um, it's uh, it's it formed at the same time. Just uh, the Tuscarora sandstone is just a little smaller, uh, smaller grained stuff. But we are looking at uh, it is uh, it's from the Taconic Mountains coming up, and it is the uh, it's basically uh, just all rivers uh, fluvial sediments coming off the Taconic Mountains. And the it's cool when you look at the strat column, you see uh, sitting. We'll go below the Schwango conglomerate. You have the Martinsburg Shale. So Martinsburg Shale is like it's deep marine. And then all of a sudden, then you get the Schwangung conglomerate sitting on top of Martinsburg. Oh, by the way, it's Schwangung Silurian in age. I don't think I, I said that yet. Yeah, it was just, yeah. Um, so you get the Martinsburg shale underneath that is, uh, um, yeah, like I said, deep marine. And then you get the Schwangung conglomerate, which is all fluvial stuff. And then, uh, then sitting on top of that, then you get um, the Bloomsburg formation, which is, uh, I believe, deltaic. Were there red beds? Yeah, it's red, red beds. A lot of red beds. Silts, <clears throat> siltstones, and shales. Classic, yeah. classic finding upward sequences. And yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Classic, Cla- plastic. Ah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's. You can use the term one of one of my favorites in the Bloomberg. It's a molasse sequence. Hmm. Yeah, so it's a, that is a good term. Yeah, terrestrial and terrestrial deposits that are from erosion of up uplifting mountain chains. So they're accumulating in what we would call the Forelin Basin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if you want to see a great outcrop of the Schwangung conglomerate, I got two for you. Uh, number one, uh, the Mohonk Mountain Preserve or M- M- Mountain House, excuse me. Up in New Paltz, New York, uh, about an hour and a half outside of New York City. Uh, it is beautiful, especially if you see it during the time of like fall foliage. Very, very, very pretty. Uh, super classic spot. Uh, the cliff there is about 300 feet tall and it's just miles long. It's really, really pretty. Like classic upstate New York scenery up uh, not too far, just outside the Catskill Mountains up there in uh, in New York. Um, in some spots, you can actually see the Catskills off in, in the distance by the uh, that big outcrop of the Schwangung conglomerate. Second favorite place to see an outcrop of the Schwangung conglomerate, Delaware Water Gap. Yes. Jesse and I had an infamous, uh, we hosted <laughs> infamous ge- geologic field trip years ago there. It was the first one that the two of, I, two of us were uh, hosting for our classes we were teaching. And... Uh, Got a little lost in the strat column there while we were uh, we told the students to go just check out the rocks and let us know what you're seeing. 
And we did that just to buy some time to figure out we are so lost in the strat column. Realized we were holding the map upside down. <laughs> <laughs> like a sitcom. It really was. It was like these two dopes. <laughs> turn turn the strat column back right side up and best damn field trip anybody's ever given. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, what else with the Sean Cook conglomerates fun? There's something about uh uh, the source or, or uh, do you guys know something that the source is questionable or that with the i know it's taconics but yeah i mean you're you're a good distance away from the the main taconics to be getting such big conglomerates say in pennsylvania yeah, yeah. but maybe not maybe yeah it's um like the yeah, so the lower part, sort of like you expect to be pretty close to the source, uh, even though the the main building of the Taconic is is further up into upstate New York and and Western Mass and mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, my one of my favorite fossils is found often in the Schwangunk, the Eurypterid. Ooh. In, in Schwangunk conglomerate, yeah. it's not too high energy. Uh, in yeah, it's the same time period. I, I'm pretty sure you can find it. Yeah, it says uh, they can. Um, very few fossils exist in Schwangunk. However, Eurypterids can be found in the middle portions of the formation, roughly 420 to 750 feet from the base. In some okay. locations in New York State. The old sea scorpion. No kidding. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, oh, you still see uh, you can Sorry. see some interbedded layers of uh, of shale in there too. From, did uh, you did you know the 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 largest eurypterids? A bunch of the largest eurypterids were bigger than humans over two what? meters. Yeah, they were like six feet long, right? That's insane. Yeah, that would be terrifying. No, I want no part of that world. <laughs> no uh yeah to our, one of our patreon listeners natty that eurypterate could battle that giant spider that we were talking about <laughs> before we were recording was it the crystal palace museum in arkansas has a giant bentonville has a giant uh i think it looks pretty cool spider um sculpture outside and it looks terrifying so um also if you want to see it's not the schwango conglomerate but my favorite outcrop of the tuscarora sandstone like i said which is age equivalent just a little farther south go to wild and wonderful west virginia and uh go to look up a a place called uh seneca seneca rocks and see this beautiful uh it's well it's it's a seneca rocks is part of a, a limb of a large anticlinorium that that is a lovely little spine of rocks shoot it's just it's a vertical fin of rock so the 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 beds yeah. have at that part of the anticline have been tilted 90 degrees and it's really cool so it's called i believe i haven't been there in years but let me see if i can remember i believe the valley that is called it's called germany valley there in uh in west virginia seneca west virginia and it's pretty they, yeah, and and so at the top of the top of the valley, where the, the 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 mountains around the high the high area around the valley, the um, Tuscarora sandstone is nearly horizontal, and then at the other end of the valley, it is like vertical, and it's really cool. And like the whole top of the anticline has been just eroded through, and so it's almost like a. The, the, the inside kind of melted out. And what you see at the bottom of the valley there is nothing but limestones. So the, the sandstone was more resistant. And it was, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was basically protecting the limestone, but where the, where the, the sandstone eroded out the top of the anticline, just all the limestone underneath it just dissolved out chemical weathering. Cool spot. Cool. Yeah. They, um, my personal favorite would be um, in Jack's Narrows. 
which classic. Which uh, it's in. It's right. It's it makes up the Isn't core. The Pirates of the Caribbean. Jack's Mountain. No, it's just south of where we studied the Juniata in Pennsylvania. Um, in Pennsylvania, so the Juniata Formation, which underlies the Tuscarora. And right before you get to this beautiful outcrop um, that the Juniata River cuts through in Jack's Narrows, there's a lovely little deli there called Toots's Place that we... Oh, we've been lunch. there. Yeah. <laughs> we got ice cream there before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it also makes up the Standing Stone Trail, which cuts through like central Pennsylvania. Um, the th- there's a place called Thousand Steps, which is a, a trail that goes up. Um, better be a thousand steps in that trail. I, I, I don't know actually, but it, it's, you're climbing up. It overlooks Racetown Lake. If, if you're, if, if you know anything about central Pennsylvania, but it is, it's, it's a, it's a hardy hike. Um, and I think it's like, it used to be a quarry or something. So they cut it in these stone steps. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's all it's all the quartzite there. But it is great when you go from Schwangunk, where you have these really conglomerates, and you start getting into Pennsylvania and then down into West Virginia, you can start to see the grain size decrease, and you get more, say, interbedded siltstones or, or shales. They're they're few and far between, but you do start to see some of them. Right, you, and you see that, that I've seen that up in New York when in the conglomerates you get some interbedded uh, shales, and that's where you get that depositional environment where you can have better preservation of oh well that makes marine sense. life yeah. yeah so you you see the it's it is pretty lovely to see the the facies change just across that single landscape going from high energy near source as you move further away but it is kind of crazy when you think about the deconics and the source being like you know, upstate New York in, in say where like the Adirondacks north of that into Western Massachusetts. And you're getting conglomerates down through Pennsylvania into, into um, West Virginia, like the amount of energy shedding off this into the, is the foreland basin isn't is, is to the West. That's where the, the, the mm-hmm. ocean. Yeah. So it is. It always sort of blows me away when you think about think about the energy involved and the distance traveled. We should study that. Okay. <laughs> no, didn't we say that last week? Something <laughs> like <laughs> we should investigate this more. Let's but, go to uh, India. Just watch the just watch the Himalayas get pulverized, right? And watch the uh, all that sediment coming off of the off of there. Um, uh, that's pretty much, sorry, that's not a deep dive, but it's kind of a pseudo medium dive. Yeah, we're touching the, on it. Into the Schwangunk conglomerate. Um, great formation. Great, great formation. Um, let's see what else. Uh, let's jump on to the next question. Jesse, you want to, your turn. You want to pick a question? For me because i accidentally closed the spreadsheet uh, <laughs> uh all right i go i'll pick one for jesse I, right? I also like how you called me as you can see me on video blowing my nose <laughs> i wasn't i didn't have my video up i was looking at the uh <laughs> at the excel spreadsheet <laughs> i thought you were just uh sneezing for a second um, <laughs> I, I clicked off the video all right uh i'll pick a question for jesse here this is right up his alley here's a slam dunk for him uh why are there different soil horizons across the world uh, oh i'm sorry this is from uh uh christy in new zealand oh a kiwi hello hello um, <laughs> that's how i say hello to new zealanders hello <laughs> jesse doesn't discriminate how he says hello he says hello no. the same way to everybody same way. Uh- uh and, and steve can also help me with this but it comes into the factors of soil formation let's get into how soils form because that's determines how horizons form so but also to her she had a quick follow-up and said she didn't learn about o horizons at all never even mentioned it says Whoa. 
what? That's that's malpractice. It, it was B and C horizons and their subclasses. Oh, that's that's malpractice. That's malfeasance. That's defam. <laughs> def, def, that's defamatory. The top, like the. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, at, at least you know A horizon. B. Yeah. B, B is B is very important because that's where, you know, uh, when you're studying past soils, I guess it becomes very important because that's where your zone of uh, alleviation, right? Am I saying that? Yeah. Yeah. The E horizon. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, is did there, you ever is hear there about a, the E horizon? Is there a D? There isn't a D, is nope. there? Yeah, I don't there's think so. A, there's there's sometimes and depending on how you label things, you can have an R. Mm-hmm. What's but the yeah. R? Yeah. Uh parent material, right? Parent, Just yeah. Bedrock. Unweathered. On, oh. A C is weathered parent material where you're so like oh, wow. think uh like saprolite would be C. That's a C, yeah. yeah. And then just granite, granite would be an R. Yeah, just rock. Just rock. rock. I'm gonna start listing things that's just rock. <laughs> I don't know. It's some sort of rock. Yeah, man. What? Anytime my kids hand me start... a rock and I don't know what it is, I, I don't know. It's a rock. So, well, just next time you do a description of an outcrop, just say that's all just an R horizon. Nothing's going on there. Just... <laughs> <laughs> nice. R, R horizons all the way down to the outer core. I don't get. It. <laughs> That's, I feel um, like that's a good t-shirt. Just have a geologic map or cross section. Just have our horizon. Our <laughs> <R> horizons. <laughs> um, so Christy, uh, I mean, we have our USDA keys to soil taxonomy, which is which, in New Zealand. Um, so I, I, I'm a, New Zealand probably uses FAO. Right. Right. Which yeah, FAO. But- uh, they're a toy company in New York. FAO Schwartz. <laughs> FAO Schwartz. They Schwartz, shut yeah. down. They sh- they're not around anymore. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, they shut down. Um, so FAO is the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN? Is it part of the? No. Yeah, it's part of the UN. So it's basically like, so the USDS, the USDA sets soil in the United States because it's, I mean, agriculture is the main reason for this because you want to know what what to grow where mm-hmm. and so the the un's body similar to the usda is the fao which is the food and agriculture organization and so they they have a way in which they describe and set soils as well and it's uh obviously not exactly the same but fairly similar parameters that they look at but your your O horizon, God bless you. Good job muting your mic, buddy. That was impressive. Uh, Jesse just sneezed. Uh, the O horizon, you know, that's your organic material. I mean, that's that's your dead stuff. You know, dead things, Mikey. Dead things. Um, it's your. <laughs> that was Goonies reference for anybody out there. I thought it was. Um, you know, th- this is where you're getting your carbon organic material input into your soils and and this is uh typically the the top, top uppermost layer think of like you know uh i guess for a plowed surface it would just be your you know whatever your crop was just laying on top and decaying if you're in a, a forest floor it's it's your leaf litter and all that other stuff decaying yeah it's i mean soils build so soils uh, did we do an episode on soils i feel like we did they're a function of you know a your, couple your climate and your your parent material and the relief and whatnot organisms and power yes but um yeah it's it's a function of the the rock that's breaking down the parent material yeah and the organics that are growing on top of it and so your o horizon is is the, the the organic matter and most of it will get broken down by decomposers and, and it gets broken down into nutrients and whatever the decomposers don't use, whatever they don't metabolize, those nutrients will then transfer into the soil to either get used by other organisms 
or get stored in in say the B horizon or something like that. But if if you have a a, a big buildup of organic material that doesn't get broken down, you can have a pretty thick O horizon organic layer where it's just organic carbon that hasn't been broken down yet. <clears throat> and so it's it's sort of dependent on it's dependent on those factors of soil formation whether or not you're going to have a thick uh, O horizon or not. Yeah, we uh, episode 36 back in 2016 we did soils and paleosols. Ooh, we probably should, we probably should reboot that. I agree. I agree. But uh excellent question. Um yeah. We feel like whoever taught you soils did you a disservice. You yeah, you should probably write them you know, not an angry email, but like a passive aggressive. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I pretty let down. Uh, I'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see how they account for the organic material. If do they just incorporate it now in, into the A? I, but that's. Uh, they were saying they only learned like B and C. Like it doesn't even sound like a, the person who taught them sounds like they study paleosols because oftentimes in paleosols, the O horizon's gone. Yeah. The A horizon oftentimes gets eroded away too. So we, we basically only see mostly Bs and Cs. Mm -hmm. So I, I can. Oh, that's interesting. Relate to a lot of this being like, oh Yeah. That's all there is to soil, B's and C's. Huh. Yeah, the <clears throat> the mineral, so the A is like the mineral layer um, of, of uh, leached material, I guess you would say. And so it's at the surface, so a lot of times it just gets eroded away. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, who wants to pick the next topic? Thank you, Christy from New Zealand. Yeah. Keep them coming too. And uh, by the way, I said FAO Schwartz shut down. Uh, I don't think they're the officially open. shut down. They yeah. shut down the store and on Fifth Ave, but they opened up a new one at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. And uh, there are, they have a bunch of other locations out there. Who are they still owned? Are they bought up by some? Are they owned by like Time Warner or something? Dude, in 2009, Toys R Us bought them. Ooh, you go back in time and say like that's not a good deal. Yeah, then uh, the another another group bought them and they opened up the new one. So Toys R Us shut it down at Fifth Ave, like right next to Central Park, and then um, another group bought them and opened it up at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Isn't that where like the NBC studios? Yes. Or 30 Rock. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Um, let's get another question here. Let's see. Uh, you guys, any of these jumping out at you? Uh, we did our episode, was it three weeks ago? We were talking about... Um, the Chicxulub impact timing episode 130 oh, yeah. back, back in March, there was a, a follow-up question, which, you know, just an interesting thought question. This, all right. So I'm just going to read it. Um, this, uh, hang on. I already lost it in my spreadsheet, but the question was, um, where was it? Um, did all the dinosaurs die in a single day? And this is from Jonathan, from Oahu, oh. the great state of Hawaii. Um, so did all the dinosaurs then die in a single day? Um, and, and there was a little bit more to this question, talking about how some researchers say that the atmosphere reached temperatures of up to 450 degrees, basically cooking everything um, with, with all this ejective raining back down and heating the planet, kind of like we talked about again, uh, a few episodes ago, back uh, about a month ago. Um, so it's just an interesting thought experiment to think like, did, you know, in an impact event like Chicxulub, could everything die in a day? And the short answer is no, 
Like you're you're gonna have some stragglers. You're gonna have like some yeah. some <laughs> dinosaurs who lucked out and were like in a valley or near a cave or something like that. But um, but when you th- the, you know just this question kind of blew my mind. Like oh man, like yeah, they most of them did die in a day, <laughs> and that's kind of depressing. <laughs> um, you know when we were talking about the the bones. Uh, in the fish and the seasonality and they could figure out that it was in the spring and like all this like pretty pretty cool sciencey stuff you know that's what i like to call it sciencey stuff sciencey stuff yeah yeah um but it does it does you know make you you know uh anyone who's old enough to remember arsenio hall things that make you go hmm uh, There's a that, that you're touching on a segment of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Not everybody watches reruns of Arsenio Hall. Uh, and or all right, how about the CNC Music Factory? Wonderful now, song. Things yeah. things that make you go. Hmm. Now that's a touchstone of of the zeitgeist, right there. <laughs> a little bit more I recent. <laughs> uh so no the short answer is no not all the dinosaurs died in a single day some of the research is slightly conflicting like some of it says like it was just a global chaos and and you know the the whole planet cooked um but there there is evidence that not everything like turned into a flash fire on that day um and i it the the devastation was global like it did go all the way around the planet, but I'm I'm guessing that the further are from the impact, the less awful it was. I, I don't even know how to phrase it. I mean, that seems like a good bet. Yeah. The further away you are, the I mean, you're still getting ejected raining down. You're still probably getting like, you know, the the sky was probably blackened for a long time, you know, if, if not years. It'd be interesting to see, yeah, the like the die-off rate because <clears throat> it's probably like an initial spike, and then it like plateaus or or it's a slow rise because a lot more things are going to starve and and die off slowly before it starts to drop, right? Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting in a very dark and morbid way to see see sort of the death rate from this impact yeah you'd have to have pretty darn good controls temporal controls to figure that out like I, I, I don't think um it, it's an unknowable i don't know just kind of you kind of thought it was unknowable that to figure out what time of year the impact happened well i'm not entirely sold on that <laughs> i am well, hook, line, and sinker. I'm in. The, the other question, Steve, that you were asking about, you said you couldn't find it. Uh, it goes uh, in regards to episode 130 and the chicks' lube impact hitting in the spring. Uh, given this is a really great question. Um, who was? I'll give this person credit. Uh, this is who wrote this? Jonathan, right? Uh, Chad. Oh, okay. I don't know where Chad's from, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see, given that climate data, oh, yeah, shows, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom one, uh, given that climate data shows the average global, global temperature around 66 million years ago was 10 to 12 degrees C higher than today. How did they know that it was spring? There would not have been any ice caps and the seasons would not have been likely, would not likely be defined as they are today. Who's to say that there wasn't constant spawning of fish as they matured. Um, who's to say. Who's to say? I'm not one to judge. I think uh, the best you can do for something like that is to compare to what we have today. And that's the only analog. Uh, yeah, now, I'm not a I'm not a, a expert in, you know, a paleontology or specifically fish. But I do. I call you Mr. Fish Expert. <laughs> Literally tell people, but they email me would... daily. I need a fish expert. I'm like, I got the there guy. should be a guy for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there. Okay. So let's, let's get hypothetical here. Maybe their worst. I mean, there, there still could have been seasonality, even if the earth was hotter. 
because the earth is still tilting. You still have the yeah. seasonal tilt. Oh yeah, you're yes. gonna have seasons. So there's gonna be there's gonna there's still gonna be seasonality. It's yeah. just the winters are gonna be hotter than than the than what we have today. Well, yeah, but, we're in a greenhouse world, so like it's warmer. But yeah, you probably it it was probably <clears throat> you know maybe not <clears throat> four seasons. But you're probably looking at a wet and a dry season at, at, at most. And the, the the higher the latitude you get. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have seasons. So. Yeah. And, and the analog of the fish that they used, if I remember correctly from the study, it was not significantly different than the fossils that they were finding. So they, you know, they were fairly confident that this this modern analog has this going on in its bone structure with the, the seasonality being able to be detected and this other fish. And I, you know, I guess obviously you could, you, if you had more extensive uh, examples of it to kind of ground truth it a little bit more, but um, I still, I don't know. I still think it's cool. Prove me wrong. <laughs> It's um, all just one big R horizon. <laughs> no such thing as an O horizon in this world. No. Um. All right. So thanks, Chad, for that question. And then also, uh, see who asked the first one about the. Uh, shoot, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan from the great state of Hawaii. Yeah, and Chad. Um, I don't think Chad listed where he was from. So, Chad, from wherever you are, from parts uh, unknown. Here's a pretty, uh, here's a good one we can talk about. Uh, Warhol logs, which, since I understand it, you guys did some consulting work. So, I figured it's something that, something that would be cool to know about. Let me tell you something about Warhol logs. Uh, who, who wrote this? Thomas from New Hampshire. They are. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, attention to detail. (laughs) Well, so here's the question. Is he talking about downhole geophysics borehole logs or is he talking about actually like core description uh, bore logs? I, I, my assumption was he was talking about geophysical interpretation borehole logs, but. um, Oh, see, I was thinking um, just, um, lithology just basic descriptions of basic like descriptions of yeah just core yeah but sand yeah, I, sand I not sand <laughs> basically my descriptive nature in my log books same uh, as so, above <laughs> uh i guess uh to answer this question it depends on what you're looking for and depends on the amount of detail that you need um you know uh yeah, it all de- it all depends. Uh, you know, if you are, um, if you're looking, if you're doing borehole logs to find for oil and gas, you're going to be looking for, um, you know, reservoir rock. So you're going to look for porosity and stuff like that. That's going to be really important. Maybe you don't care about the fossils you find in there, and uh, you know, so just. Uh, Whatever you're looking for and, uh, you know, whatever type of detail you need. If you're doing more academic work, then it's just all around detail usually. Um, but if you're doing more consulting work, you're really only looking for a couple things here and there. And the rest is kind of just. Eh. Yeah. And the key, the key is to be systematic about it, no matter what your approach is. Um, but again, in, in consulting, I've had. Um, project managers who are like, I don't, I just need to know, is it what, what percent sand, what percent fines, what percent gravel? Yeah, that's it. You know, for either engineering purposes, or I want to know where the contaminant's going to move the fastest through or where it's going to get stuck. You know, it's going to get stuck in the fines. It's going to move through the gravels kind of thing. And then I've had Others, you know, I, I need to know like down to the, you know, within plus or minus 5%, like what, what is in there? What is the color? Give me the Munsell color chart. Um, 
you know, give me the plasticity. Is it high plasticity or low plasticity? You know, all, all different kinds of things. So when it comes to your description logs, like Chris said, really does matter what the outcome you're looking for. And, and sometimes in consulting, it matters who's your boss and what do they want to see? Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, you could be on the same project doing the same thing, drilling similar holes and two different project officers are going to want two different levels of detail. Like, you know, I remember asking like, okay, so do you want Monsell colors? They're like, what's that? I was like, <laughs> I was like okay, this is green. We're going Roy G. Biv on this <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Monsell or Roy G. Biv. <laughs> yeah. um, but then when it comes to geophysical logs, uh, those I'm a little bit more rusty on. And, you know, I did, I did, well, that's no, more it, just uh, grain size because different, different uh, radi- basically uh, different radiation levels for you know like shales are going to be more radioactive generally speaking than sands and you know you can just, right but there's all like, different yeah. kinds of logs not just gamma logs but it could be you know first of all you can your, your simplest one is your caliper log this is just the the arms that swing out from the tool and when you're drilling the hole, if you hit softer material or, or more easily eroded material, the hole gets actually bigger. So they have these arms on the tool that get bigger. And just, just that data of how big the borehole is can give you some insight as to what's going on lithologically. Um, then you have the gamma logs. Um, you can actually have like a, a televiewer. It's actually just like a camera on it too. You can have things like geopedal indicators, which are like, as you're drilling through, it actually like cracks the rock in front of it. And it, it literally makes these like cracks in the rock that you can interpret. And then it, based on how the rock cracked, you can actually interpret stress regimes, like which way the stress force is concentrated. Obviously you have the stress of the drill when a drill is drilling, but there's also stresses coming from all different other directions. And based on these geopedal indicators, you can basically from these pictures, you can figure out what, what the stress regime is in the area. There's, I don't know, there's, there's a million different, like, you know, some of the tools have like three or four different logs on them. Some of them have like, I don't know, nine and you, you have to, you, you add these, different lines of evidence to try to tell you like, yes, like Chris said, there's a, there's a lot of uh, radiation in this section. So this is probably shale rich versus, you know, there's no radiation, in this one. So it's maybe it's all quartz sandstone or something like that. Um, but you can also get some radiation from like potassium from the potassium feldspar. So yeah, usually you need multiple lines of evidence to try to figure out exactly what you're what you're looking at. So, um, but the borehole logs, um, for geophysical borehole logs, I know for a fact they are on the PG exam. So you need to like, they'll give you a borehole log and they'll be like, where's the coal? And you'd be like, Oh geez. Okay. Uh, so you have to know how to interpret all these things. So yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, consistency is key just be as consistent as possible, whether, whether it's just from borehole to borehole on a certain project, or, or if you can just be as consistent as possible from project to project too, because then that yeah. makes your interpretation of your notes and everything that much easier to pass along to other people. I mean, as scientists, that's, that's our job is to take that information and pass it along to others. If you can't read your notes or you can't, like you, you, you describe one thing over here and then you describe it differently over there. That that's, that doesn't help anybody. So you got to be as consistent as possible. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, great question there. Um, let's see who that was. Thomas, Thomas from New Hampshire. Awesome. Um, all right. What do you guys say? Like another one more question. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like we're we're maybe. Uh, I think we can squeeze in one more. One more. Yeah, I mean we've been going for over an hour, so. Have we already? Wow, time flies. Let me tell I'm, you. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? Which one? 
There's I, uh Yeah, again. Someone else pick. All right, here's a fun one. I like this one. Uh Linz from the Chicago area asks when you travel, what landscapes make you get out of the car and take a closer look at the geology? Um, I give you a short answer. Go to geologyflannelcast.com and look at the main picture at the very top of that uh, of that fold a, system on there. That's, that's sweet one thing. that uh, Jesse and I were in the car together and I made him pull over and we had to take a picture of that because yeah. it was like, like blew my mind. I was like, holy crap. It is one of my thing. favorites, all time favorites. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was in central Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. Uh, where is there a name for that? Or is that just. Uh, I, yeah. We just always. Yeah. Route 322. Uh it does the 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 fold does have a name I think, but um, then there's yeah. uh, the other one that's uh, the background for a Twitter page is uh, 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 what is oh my god the the syncline um, Sidling Hill Sidling Hill thank you thank you uh, yeah yeah Sidling Hill off of two seventy in Maryland um, that's one I remember seeing uh, like. I was, I was meeting up with some friends in West Virginia and uh, this is when I was living in the DC area, I was driving across and I saw that off in the background and I was, it was early in the morning. I was still finishing my first call, my first cup of coffee. And I was like, is that what I think it is? No, no. And sure enough, it was the biggest freaking syncline I'd like ever seen in per it's huge. Um, Sidling Hill in Maryland. Uh, check that out. Look, uh, Google that if you, if you're not familiar with it, what a cool syncline. That that's one that makes me get out of the car and check that out. Yeah, but Linz also said when I was younger, I traveled to places that had volcanoes, Iceland, St. Kitts, Hawaii. But I appreciate uh uh what was it? But I, I said to her, like, holy cow, you went to all those places when you were a kid? <laughs> That sounds awesome. Yeah. St. Kitts, Iceland, Hawaii. So yeah. Well, um, traveler. Yeah. So very, very, very cool. But my, my answer is uh, I would get out every single time if I could. However, sometimes you just got to get where you're getting. You know what I mean? And yeah, sometimes it's not safe to get out of the car. Too, that, that's a good point, too. <laughs> yeah. because I, I've been on some like parts. uh you know, I live here in Pennsylvania, eastern side of Pennsylvania. There's this uh, road called, well, it used to be called the Northeast Extension. I guess it's now just 476. Um, but driving driving up that road, there's a lot of good outcrops, but there's like no shoulder and or um, just nowhere, nowhere to pull off, nowhere to park, nowhere to stand. And then some of the outcrops are pretty steep. So... Um, I, I did, I have accessed a few of those from off of the highway, but then walking back towards the highway and it's terrifying having tractor trailers zip past the yeah, 80 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. So there's, I, I want to say, yeah, on, you go through the interstate on either eight, is it 80 or 81? There's in Northeastern Pennsylvania, there's a beautiful syncline, beautiful fold, but you can't get out on a one. It's against the law to to park on an interstate uh but it's just also terrifying yeah yeah um, yeah it's just it's kind of a bummer yeah sometimes it's a time crunch sometimes it's uh you know just a it, s- safety thing yeah i i see some usually i have to be by myself <laughs> yeah if, if yeah if i'm with my family they're not going to put up with that nonsense. <laughs> I, uh, do you guys ever get yelled at for, cause you're looking at the outcrops and they're like, keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> yeah. I, I often think about the story about the geologist who drove off the road. What? I didn't hear this yeah. story. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Cause they were like looking at the outcrop and they drove off. Like there was a curve and they drove off. And I, wow. I often, because like, I do, I find like myself wily coyote style. Yeah. Like, Oh, but um, filming the wheezish. Yeah. Like good stratigraphy will make me. That's what's going to end you. That's, uh, I <laughs> that's, mean, that's, that's, that's what, that, that's my head turner. 
see some good stratigraphy there. I'm like, or good, good, you know, you see some good sedimentary bedding. Uh, whoa. Yeah. I, I try to be very health and safety conscious. So I try not to, or I'll, I'll do like a real quick, like beep, 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 that, and yeah. which is worthless. Cause I'm not really getting any information anyway, mm-hmm. but there's a, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but just kind of made me think of this. There's a story that I heard of uh, a geology field trip. Something happened. People were, uh, it was a van of people. They were, I guess on private property or whatever. And the, the, the owner called the cops on, on these people and the cops came and the geologist (laughs) driving the van didn't just, it turned into like a, a police chase. The geologist driving the van didn't refuse to pull over for the cops or there's something like that. <laughs> Why? Being on a, on a field trip and turns into a, a police chase. Did the instructor have like a warrant out for him? I don't know. It's right? secondhand story. But um, yeah. Can you imagine if you were in that van? Oh my God. I... <laughs> yeah, that would be. Over pretty ridiculous yeah so um basically if it's uh geez anything cool anything cool i remember uh i was visiting some friends out in colorado they live just outside of boulder and we were uh driving up into the mountains from boulder there and you can see the contact or i I noticed it was all like red sandstones at the bottom uh and then once we, we got a little further up into the into the mountains there um you know, everything switched over to crystalline rock and granite. And I was like, there's a, oh, we got to check out this contact. And I made my friends pull over and uh, I tried to find the contact on the side of the road. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, anything cool, anything cool that catches my eye. I, I want to, you know, go out and, and check it. And it's like what Steve said, if I have the time, yeah, sure. You know, but uh, sometimes I get where you're going, you know, the geology can wait. It ain't going anywhere. Unless it's actively eroding. That is a good point, but I mean, it's always actively eroding. Just a matter of how fast. That's true. Also, the uh, now I'm torn. Now I am torn. Have you ever seen Old Man on the Mountain? Or while it was still up? No, it's gone now. No, yeah, gone now. I saw it. I saw like it was like one of the last years it was there. Uh, Pulled over on the side of the road to see Old Man on the Mountain. Uh, A couple years later, did his nose fall off or something? Or yeah. yeah yeah freestyle a, baby freestyle it's a uh so if you don't know what old man on the mountain is sorry i guess uh <laughs> it's a it's an outcrop up in new hampshire uh i think about like conway new hampshire up around that area uh, where you you look at it from an angle and on the cliff it literally like the side view of the cliff literally looked like uh an old man's face like it was like a, almost like a, like a silhouette of an old man's face, and it was uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, um, but no moss. No, I want to say that was like two thousand nine. Two thousand nine? Okay, that, it was definitely a while ago. Yeah, I mean it was well over a decade ago, but <laughs> when that face got lifted, hi yo, <laughs> bad nose uh, job. The opposite of lifted face drop yeah so um all right well you know what do we hit six or seven questions out of 50 <laughs> so <laughs> we are uh we're, we're we're getting there we're chipping away we have lots of great questions and yeah because we didn't, everyone that's sending the questions yes and because we didn't get to your question doesn't mean it wasn't a good question sometimes it means it was too good of a question and it requires a lot more in-depth research um so we will get we hopefully will get to all these questions soon um but the the some of these good questions are going to require a little bit more thinking so how many what is this listener questions 7.0 we've done now you're asking lots of things i'll have to go check my uh perfectly formatted list of uh episodes, episodes. <laughs> there we go uh but i'd like to thank our sponsor the formatting formula formattingformula.com or youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs 
Um, I, I, I did lie. Our, our list of episodes is actually in a spreadsheet. It's not in a word doc, but, um, but we do have an outline in a word doc. So that's what I was referring to. But when we, when, uh, they, the formatting formula actually can take your Excel spreadsheet and embed it into your word doc. And it, it can be like a living document. So if you change the Excel spreadsheet it's linked to it'll change it in your word doc crazy stuff all kinds of crazy stuff that the formatting formula can do and or if you want to teach yourself go to youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula they have hundreds of hours of well maybe not hundreds of hours but they have lots of hours of videos of literally step-by-step nicely well-paced videos teaching yourself how to how to do this stuff so Um, or you can be lazy like me and just send them an email and be like, here, fix it. So formatting formula.com, make sure you tell them the geology flannel cast sent you. Um, and your question, your question, Chris was how many listener episodes? 7.0. Yeah. 7.0 was in August of 2021. Wow. It's been that long since we did a listener episode, listener question episode. Really? Yeah, that, yeah, that seems. It's August. Okay. It seems negligent on our part. So yeah, we should do do them more often. So I got to change this. What we should do is uh, sprinkle them in in the episodes at the end of an episode, like a lightning round listener questions. I do like that, and we've gotten lots of requests to do uh, more movie watching. The one movie I'm not going to do the spoiler alert. What movie it's going to be? We already talked about this one, but. This one, just the name, everyone keeps on saying, you got to do this movie. You got to do this movie. Shawshank Redemption. No, I, I, <laughs> I was, Ernest goes to camp, but. Well, can we relate that to geology at all? Probably not. I think the Ernest movies, you can act, you can actively feel your brain cells dying as you watch that. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen, I've never seen an Ernest movie. Sorry. Oh, you're not missing much. How uh, dare you? I, what can I say? I guess I'm too old. No, no, more about Chris saying you're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're yeah. going to tune gotta, in we gotta, next we week up. for Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. <laughs> we got to, um, we'll do the one move. Everyone keeps on saying you got to do this movie. You got to do this movie. So we're next, the next uh, movie, the movie one we do, we should do that pretty soon, actually. The, uh, commentary on a movie set it up on like a friday night or whatever make some popcorn crack open a beer there you go done sold comment on another because it's been years since we did jurassic park yeah it's about two yeah. years since we did jurassic park i tell you what, uh my wednesdays is going to open up soon because i didn't realize the semester's over in two weeks yeah. oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> i said i said that to my students last week well we have four weeks left they're like uh, it's like three it's like what can't be right. Right. <laughs> but we're ending in like mid-April. What's what's that about? So yeah. April 20th or something is my last class. Wow. Something crazy. Study days. Back Push in all. my day. We didn't have those study days. I think we actually did, but um anywho. That's well, all I got. I don't know. Maybe that means you know. I feel like, you know, I'm not excited that the semester's over. I'm, I'm mad that I can't squeeze in more knowledge into these students' brains. So there you go. They're paying for it. You know, yeah. get as much knowledge in those brains as you can for brains. Knowledge ain't cheap. Nope. No, sir. It is not. But all right. That's all I have for this episode, gentlemen. How about yourselves? I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with uh, calling it quits here. I think we covered a lot of information. Yeah, but check us out on Insta and uh, send us your pictures of you with your sticker or just you with a rock or a beautiful outcrop. Or Yeah, if you find an outcrop that makes you stop the car. There you go. Yeah. Send us a picture. Perfect. Yes. Make sure you stop the car in a safe area. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yes. We're, we're not. I'm not taking on any liability here but yeah i don't i don't need that on my shoulders i've got enough 
<laughs> yeah. Enough skeletons in my closet. I don't need, don't need that. Yeah. Uh, send us your send us your pictures on uh, on the Insta. And uh, we'll check out our website. What's the website name again? Geologyflannelcast.com. Oh, that's right. oh, that's a good name. That's it good is. Name. It is. But that's also where all these listener questions were sent in through our mm. listener question email address. So send a, if you too have burning desire topics that you would like to have covered by the premier geology podcast, send them in geology questions at geology flannel um, You say geology questions is quite, I said, quite, you can email your geology questions oh, to oh. questions at geology flannel Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, send them in and, uh, uh, we'll start collecting them for the next, the next one. Uh, what else? Hey, do you drink coffee in the morning? I do. I, I drink too much coffee in the morning. Um, oh boy. Yes, you, are you a big coffee fan? I wish it tasted better. <laughs> well, how can you make I, it taste better? Give me a second there. If only... <laughs> Like what do you like? What do you say? Like your coffee tastes like you're like eighty percent. It's okay. Like you just I, yeah, I, yeah, eighty. I could use it to be ten to twenty percent better. Well, if you, we, you were in luck because if you go to the geology flannel or geologyflannelcast.com, you can purchase a geology flannel cast coffee mug, and it will make your coffee taste twenty percent better, guaranteed. Um, check that out. It's, uh, we you got some stickers up there at geologyflannelcast.com. You get your official, official geology flannel cast sticker. Uh, or we don't just sell them singularly. Get a, get a, we'll give you a couple of them. We'll give you a couple of them. Uh, I got some t-shirts, hoodies, all that stuff. So, so if you'd like to support the podcast that way, um, those options are available. But if you're a real hardcore fan of the geology final cast, you want to go check out patreon.com slash geology final cast. Um, that can, that helps out the, the podcast as well. You uh, become a Patreon, a sponsor of the podcast. We have several tiers of sponsorship and uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, go check that out. we got some uh, extra footage. You can go check out. You can watch on our Patreon site. Uh, and you can listen to the podcast live. Come hang out with us before the podcast starts. We have an awesome crew of people. Uh, we have a lot of fun goofing around with those people and uh, talk, talking Roxy after the show ends. And uh, yeah, or you, we, are, we can devote a whole episode to you uh, if you become a Topaz tiered member. Anyways, I'm talking too much. Go to patreon.com. Check that out or patreon.com slash geology flannel cast. Go check that out. You can help out the podcast that way. Or the other way to help out the podcast, just tell your friend. It's uh, what, what do we got for April? Uh, tell an acquaintance April. Oh, I like that. An acquaintance associate April. Yeah, uh-huh. there you go. <laughs> or, or your aunt. Oh, your aunt. Yeah. Yeah. Tell her, say, hey, check out this geology podcast. You'll like it. Can't go wrong. Um, so that's that. Just tell a friend. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening to the podcast. We love you guys. Appreciate the heck out of you. And uh, tune in next week for another fun and action-packed episode of the premier geology podcast, the Geology Final Cast. Thanks, everyone. All right. See you. Bye. Thanks for stopping by.